Well, if you have not been here in a while, we are finishing up a series today called You Asked For It. You Asked For It. And what this, the sort of the, the, the premise with this series is this. Back in Easter of this year, we asked the people to submit questions. Uh, you know, what questions do you have that you would ask God or you want addressed in a series? And so we've been answering questions like, how do I hear from God? Does God hear me? What happens if I fall? What happens if I uh, mess up? You know, and, and things like that. Just hard questions that you don't typically hear answers to. I, I think this is probably one of the most prominent and hardest questions that was asked or will be asked. And that's this, that we're addressing today. Uh, that's this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? If you've ever thought that, has anyone ever thought that or asked that or been asked that? Right? We, we have that question. That's a very prominent question, uh, and people have the right to ask that. And um, my hope and prayer today is to answer that question and, and help you with that in case you're asked that as well. Um, you know, and if you've ever asked that question or heard that question asked, you're in good company. The reality is we see people in the Bible asking that question. We see Abraham asking questions of God. We see Jeremiah asking questions of God. We, we see people like Moses asking questions of God. We even see David. David, uh, David even asked God questions about fairness. Like, why do the wicked prosper? I just don't get this. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, and we see questions being asked of God. So uh, the bottom line is it's okay to ask God questions. He's big enough to handle our questions. Amen? We see Job in, in the book of Job, many questions being asked of God. And, and so the reality is this. We see tragedy all around us. You know, tragedies hit home. In the last several months, we saw a baby, baby Maddox, who was a, a, a young little girl, uh, didn't live far from here. She was killed by her dad. You know, uh, there was, there was um, in the nightclub in Orlando several months ago, someone went in and started shooting people. Many of you may not know this, but there was a young girl that went to this church some time ago that got killed that day. We have things like 911. We, we, have, we have things like hurricanes and tsunamis and, and, and all these things that they hit close to home. You know, it, it, it's devastating. It raises the question. It causes us to begin to think, what is going on? And, and then not only do things tend to hit close to home, but sometimes things get personal. You know, we get a bad diagnosis. We lose, the, we lose a loved one. Tragedy strikes by, by an accident. And it's a big deal. Like, what is going on? And, and really, there's a lot at stake as it relates to how we respond to a question like this. There's a lot at stake because do we look at God and, and, and say, God, you know what? I can't believe you did this. You know, uh, uh, some of us may, may get in the mode of blaming God, like, you know, God, if you're really that good, how could this happen? Sometimes in Christian circles, well-meaning people, you know, either conclude for themselves or conclude for others that they're getting what they deserve. You know, 
Like you had this coming. You, you know, you, you, made this, you made these choices in the past, and now this is what you get as a result of that. Sometimes things happen, and people blame themselves for it. And it, it, it's, a, it's a hard topic because how we deal with it, what, what happens in our heart, um, it, what happens in our heart and how we process that is a big deal. So l- let me just say this. Maybe there's a second question that we should ask and, and think about. Because the flip, the, the flip of that question is this. Why do good things happen to bad people? You know? The reality is, I mean, if you really want to, if you want to get real, there are no good people. There was, a, there was a rich young ruler that went to Jesus and he said, Good master, what must I do to an inherent, inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God alone, God above, you know? Jesus knew that he was walking the face of a planet that desperately needed a savior. That every person on the face of the planet needed forgiveness of sins because there's no one good. No, not, not even one. There's no one righteous, Paul says in Romans, right? So maybe the question isn't why do good people have bad things happen or why do bad things happen to good people? The question may be why do bad things happen, okay? And that's really what we're going after. Let's just eliminate the good people part, Okay. Because, you know, I mean, some of us were swearing at our wives or husbands on the way to church today, speeding. You ran a red light because you were running late. You had a fight with your wife. You weren't honoring your wife. I mean, let's just, let's just be real for a minute, right? I, you're, you're threatening your kids, trying to strike fear in your kids. I mean, we're just not good people. We're in process, right? We're in process. God is good. God alone is good. So let's just eliminate the good people part. And let's just look at the, the bad things part. And, you know, and it's, it's a legitimate question, you know, because I, I want to be very careful. I know that I'm talking to some people that, you know, are devastated by something that's happened in their lives, even to this point, even at this moment right now. I, I mean, there's devastation, there's hurt, there's grieving, there's suffering. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a good question. And if God is so good, because we talk about the goodness of God, why do all these bad things happen? Why, why are people starving to death? Why is there malnutrition even in our nation? Why, you know, why do these things uh, take? Why do these things take place? Is it really God that's causing our suffering? And, and I hope to address this stuff. I hope I hope that things become clear. And and here's here's another question that may be asked that sort of is sort of a sub-question to the main question. If God is so powerful, why does he allow evil things to happen? In essence, it's saying, well, maybe it's not God doing it, but God is so passive that he's allowing it to happen. Nevertheless, you know, God is, God is on the bench. He's the one that's at fault here, right? And so uh, let, let's just get in to this because, um, you know, this thing can just keep having a ripple effect, but it all points to God in our hearts many times. And I want to just, I want to take him off the stand today. I want to show you that he's not really the one to shake our fists at and blame and get mad at, you know, there's, there's, there's other forces at work here. 
You know, some people conclude when bad things happen. And, and don't say this to anyone. You know, the reality is I've heard people say this. You know, someone's sick, someone gets a bad diagnosis. The conclusion is, and we try and comfort people with these words. Maybe God is trying to teach you a lesson. Would you ever do that to your kid? Would you put sickness on your kid to teach them a lesson? He's way, he's way gooder than you are. He's better than good. And so uh, I, I want to, without dismissing your pain or, or negating what you're dealing with, I want to I talk about this topic. And um, the reality is bad things do happen. Bad things do happen. And, and so I have four, four thoughts, four points that I want to share with you. The first one is this. Bad things happen, and here's why. Because we have an enemy. We, we have an enemy. And, you know, you, you could go back to the garden and, and see him, see the beginning point of, of him flexing his muscles against God's pinnacle of creation. You could go back to the garden and see that, you know what, even, even though he can't do anything to harm God directly, this enemy has a secondary plan. And that secondary plan is this, that I'm going to harm God by harming the ones that are made in his image. I'm going to harm God. I'm going to hurt God by, by destroying, by pulling down those who have been made in his image. That, that is the enemy. And so, so when, when God created mankind in the garden, he, he, gave, he gave mankind two things. He gave, he gave them a perfect environment to live in. I mean, this environment was the epitome of beauty, of perfection. There was no sickness, no disease, no storms, no hurricanes, no, no disasters, right? It, it, was, it was the epitome of perfection and beauty. God, God put Adam and Eve in this environment. And, and he also gave them not only a perfect environment, but he also gave, a, gave them a freedom to choose. And, and the question needs to be answered, well, why would God ever give them a freedom to choose? Well, tell me someone that you are loved by or someone that you love that they have to love you and they don't have a choice. The reality is there is no true love without freedom to choose, right? There's no true, it's not, it's not real love when it's forced, it's, it's not. It's, it's, so, so God says, you know what? This is about a relationship. I'm going to have a relationship with my creation. Adam and Eve, man and woman. And I'm going to have a relationship. It's going to be authentic. It's going to be real. And that relationship existed for them. We, we, see, we see in the scriptures, Genesis chapter 2, you know, they walked in the garden. It, it, they, they met with God. And then Genesis 3 comes along, you know, and everything falls apart. Everything starts to fall. But before Genesis 3 comes along, their Bible consisted of like two lines. It was like two things. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. And the second one was this. Don't touch that tree. That's it. There was like two things that they, they you know, they were expected to do. And, and wouldn't you know it, you know, the enemy comes along, this, 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 this enemy comes along and, and, and his tactic is always this, you know, God is withholding from you. 
what God gave you may seem good and perfect and amazing and all that stuff, but there's something better over there. And it's always that one thing that we don't have, that one thing that we can't have that the enemy puts in front of us as if, you know what, uh, life could have been perfect and amazing and awesome, but it's that one thing, you know? And so for them, it was a piece of fruit. You know, they had all kinds of fruit, but that fruit was more beautiful, more tasty, you know, more pleasant for them. And I don't know what's going on with my mic. Sorry, I'll stop hitting my pocket here. Uh, but but there, was, there was something going on with that fruit. And so Satan and, and Eve have this conversation. And, and again, she's lacking nothing. She's, she's got everything. She's got safety. She's got beauty. She's got food. She's got relationship. Everything is perfect. And somehow she gets deceived. And, and Adam wasn't deceived. He was just stupid. And, and so... Uh, but the devil narrowed, narrowed it down to the thing that they didn't have. And we need to be careful in our lives. It's the thing that we don't have, the thing that we can't have, that the enemy uh, magnifies and amplifies as something that we need to have in our minds and in our hearts. We need to be careful about that. We need to guard our hearts. Each person has a different thing. So, uh, you know, God was holding back. He's not giving you his best. Um, but what happened there is this. That disobedience in that moment impacted us today. We're not in any garden anymore. We don't have an unhindered relationship with God like they did, you know, without the enemy uh, meddling and, and all that stuff. Yes, we have free access to God because of Jesus Christ. But things changed from that point forward. In fact, in a legal binding contract, the enemy took over control of the earth. It was meant to be uh, governed and managed by mankind. And I'll show you in Scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. 1 John 5, verse 19. It says this. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Do you see that? The whole world is under the control of the evil one. This is after Christ came, uh, lived a sinless life, died, was buried, and resurrected. We're, we're told by John that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You see that? So they, they, they turned over ownership to the one who deceived them. They turned over ownership to what we're, we're told in Ephesians, the prince of the power of the air. He, he's, he's a ruler of this world. And, and, and so when we begin to answer the question and look at the question, why do bad things happen to good people. You know, in, insurance, in the insurance world, catastrophes like what happened Matthew down in Florida and, and the southern states, they're called an act of God. Did you ever hear that? An act of God. That's not an act of God. Who's, 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 the, uh, who's the ruler of this world? It's not an act of God. God doesn't send hurricanes and earthquakes and tsunamis to take life. He doesn't send sickness, disease, and, and death. See, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't cause those things. He's not the, the source of those things. But, but you know what? He gets the blame for those things. He does. He gets the blame for those things. We have an enemy. And, and the reality is this. Satan tries to get us to turn our back on God, to blame God for these things. 
So, so we have this enemy, you know. In John 10.10, one of the more famous verses in the Bible says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mission for your life. So when we look at uh, what Jesus said, he said, I have come to give life and life to the full so that you, have it, you may have it to the full. When we talk sickness, disease, death, trials, difficulties in life, tensions, relational tensions, can we pin that on God? No, we have an enemy. We, we, we have an enemy that uh, wants the blame to fall on God. It's not God's fault. He wants the blame to fall on God, but it, it is the enemy that is uh, against us. So the first one is this. You know, bad things happen because we have an enemy. Secondly, bad things happen uh, because we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. We, we live in a world that, you know, there's poverty, there's famine. Babies are dying because of lack of food, malnutrition. Do you know someone did a study, I heard this, that uh, there is enough food in this world to feed every person on the face of the planet every day, every year, with 3,000 calories of food. And yet there's people starving. There's people starving. Why? Because in one nation, there's people that have an overabundance, and it reflects, you know, it's reflected. It's reflected in the way they look. And there's other nations that have an underabundance. And so we blame God for, for dying babies when, when, you know, it's greed, it's, it's, it's improper management of resources by people. What if we took the overabundance and gave it to the underabundance? It probably would solve some problems. But God is killing babies. He's not feeding babies in third world countries. You see, we live in a, we live in a, a broken world. We live in a, a world that's, that's, uh, that's suffering the results of sin. So it's not God's fault. It's our decisions. It's how we, how we deal with the things that we have and don't have. And so that's another, we just, we just can't put the blame on God. Romans 5.12 says this. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, sin came into the world through Adam, and death through sin. Remember, God said it. When you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Well, they didn't die. Uh, they didn't die physically because we know that they went on to live for nine hundred or so years. But they died spiritually. Death came through that sin. They were separated from God as a result of that choice. It goes on to say, and in this way, death came to all people. You see, we are, we are suffering the consequences of decisions that were made by our ancestors, our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother and grandfather. You know, it's sort of like your name passes down from generation to generation. So does the nature. The nature was passed down to us. So, so Paul writes to the Romans and, Romans and says, death came to all people because all sinned. And we're so, we fall into this category. You may say to yourself, you may say, but wait a second, I don't sin. Well, let me describe it this way. My firstborn was a daughter and she was like this perfect little tiny bundle of joy. I mean, she was perfect. And you know, as she began to grow, you know, she, she began to, you know, she was, she was beautiful. She was perfect. 
As she began to grow, though, we began to see that there, was, there were things that we would want her to do that she would, she would not want to do. You know, and she, she began to have this little attitude. And things that we thought were right or told her not to touch, she would look at us and touch. She'd be like... <laughs> and what was once perfect in our eyes quickly became not so perfect. She needed discipline. She needed us to help her understand the right way. And we begin to see, you know, through life, kids begin, you know, as they grow, they say no. They make their own choices. They begin to do their own things because they have their own will. And we see the sin nature coming out. She wasn't a robot. You know, our kids are not robots. The nature, the nature flows from our ancestors. And so death and sin come in to the picture. Well, here's a, here's a question that, that people ask. Well, why would God allow all this to go on? Why would God allow things to happen in this world that are so wicked? Uh, you know, people flying planes into towers, people blowing themselves up to kill and harm other people, you know, uh, uh, people uh, being taken advantage of in, in many ways, you know? Why would God allow this to happen. I guess the best answer I could give is this. If God abolishes evil, he's got he's to abolish evil, the evil in people too. And so he would have to abolish people to abolish evil in this world. And the Bible tells us that God is patient. God, God, God doesn't want anyone to perish but all come to repentance. You know, so he, he had a choice to make. He, he sent his son to deal with, with the sin nature. We're now told that that sin nature could be put to death in us. That it doesn't have to rule us. He, he sent his son to die after living a perfect life to lay down his life as a sacrifice so that we could be forgiven, so we could be restored in relationship with God. Why does God allow evil? Because there are sons and daughters that are yet to, yet, have yet to come into his family. There are sons and daughters that have yet to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There, there are people that he is waiting to come into the family. It started as a relationship, as God, and God is waiting to restore that relationship with many. God is patient. And so God could wipe out evil, all evil, abolish all evil, but that, and all sin, but that would also impact people's lives that have yet to come into the kingdom. Does this make sense? And so he's patient. He, he wants people come, to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's not willing that any would perish. And the reality is the world needs a savior. The world needs a savior. We as Christians, as followers of Christ, as sons and daughters, are ambassadors of that savior. You know, we represent him. We, we show his love through us. We, we demonstrate his goodness through us. The world needs to know the Savior. So we've got to be careful not to be offended by, by the evil around us. And I think sometimes we're very quick to judge people that are still sinners. I think we need to be very careful about that. What, would, what else would you expect a sinner to do but to sin? 
And we're trying to expect them to live our lifestyle, one that's been transformed, one whose heart has been touched, one that's been changed, when they haven't experienced what we've experienced. We need to love people and learn to love people where they're at. You know? We need, to, we need to reach out to people and not judge them for their lifestyle, but love them authentically. That's what Jesus did. He was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. I mean, the, the people in his community and his culture that were like the dredge of society. That's what Jesus did. Why? Because he, lo- he, he wanted God's love to shine through to them. You know? And when they encountered God, he'd say, go and sit no more. You know, come on. You've encountered the goodness of God. You've experienced it. What must I do? Well, you got to, you know, there's got to be a turning, a change in your life as a result of this experience. So God allows this to go on because he is patient. But this is the world uh, that we live in. We cannot put the blame on the one who's blameless. We, can, we cannot point our finger at God and say, you did this, you'd allow, you allowed this, you could have stopped us. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. So another question you may ask under that broken world topic is this. Why do we face trials and temptations? Why do we face all this difficulty? We're not any different than what we read about in the Bible. Those people like Peter. Peter, you know, uh, it, it was... You know, he said this in his, his book. He said, don't think it's strange that you face fiery trials. Paul, James, J- you know, these people, through difficulties and trials, you'll enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. It's the world that we live in. It is still broken. There will be a new heaven and a new earth that won't be broken. It won't be broken as a result of sin. We have yet to see that. It's coming. You know, in the meantime, we need to trust God, hold God, hold on to God, help people who are broken and brokenhearted and experiencing difficulty in life. You know, we need to cry out to God and get connected to God so that he can help us in our brokenness so that we can help others in their brokenness. You know, we need healing too. So we, we, we live in this, this broken world, you know, uh, another, I was actually asked this question. If God foresaw all of this, why would he create us to go through this pain? Good question, right? If God knew you were going to go through pain, why? It sounds sadistic that he would, he, would, he would create you to go through pain. And here's, a, here's a, a weak analogy. I'll just confess about that. You know, how many, how many have had kids that you had to run them to the ER they had, they had interactions with the corners of uh, coffee tables. Um, they, they got burned by putting their hands in places that were hot, you know, touching fire, touching hot things, you know, electrocuted. Uh, you know, how, how many have kids that, uh, you don't have to raise your hands, but we all probably, if you've raised kids, um, the likelihood that you visited the ER once or twice is, is probably pretty good. You know, I, I had kids that like, I mean, they could have lost their eye. They fell and hit their, hit their eye like literally on a coffee table right here. Uh, the reality is that we, we knew that there, there's a likelihood that kids are going to have accidents. You know, whether it be a new driver having a car accident, uh, you know, or being in a car that gets hit or, you know, making poor choices, you know, 
we knew that, you know, that's just life. That's, that happens, right? We, we go through life, our kids, you know, and God willing, you know, and, uh, you know, they make it, they're okay on the back end, you know, broken bones and, you know, all this stuff. Um, we, we, the reality and the likelihood of that happening is high to, when you have kids, especially boys, right? <laughs> but we still had our kids anyway. You know, why wouldn't we say, well, I don't want my kids, I wouldn't want my kids to get hurt, so I'm not going to have any. That's the same question that, that's the same question. You know, if, if God knew we were going to go through evil, why would he have created us? You know, that's life. And yet for the relationship, it's in our heart to have children and to nurture them and love them and, and see them grow and see the goodness of God on their lives. We had them even though we knew they were going to go through difficulty, right? Because we wanted relationship. We wanted, we wanted legacy. We wanted to, to, uh, to have children that, that we could love. The reality is God is not some distant, detached deity in the sky. He's not up there pulling strings. Uh, hurricane here, you know, uh, infant mortality here, uh, earthquake. He's not, he's not like that. We, we've got to take the blame off of God. That's not who he is. We live in a broken world. And the bottom line is he loves you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. The third thought I have is this. Bad things happen because of decisions we make. Come on. Because of decisions we make. Some of us are not as smart as we think we are. Some of us, you know, some of us, you know, we take big risks. I heard Pastor Roger shared a story with me of someone he heard tell this story, you know. You, you can't go around uh, a 45 mile, uh, mile an hour curb at 70 miles an hour we're playing worship music and having, you know, the, the bobblehead Jesus on your, on, your, on your dashboard and think everything's going to be okay. Right? I mean, you know, we think that we can take all these risks and things aren't going to happen. The reality is things happen. I used to share stories. There used to be uh, this thing years ago. It may still exist. Called the Darwin Awards. Uh, people that either ended their lives prematurely or did stupid things you know, uh, and there's, there's these stories, some funny stories. Sadly enough, though, uh, people got tragically hurt by the, by the stunts and all that stuff that they pulled. Listen, bad things happen because of decisions we make. Some of them are, you know, the way we eat. You know, if we're smokers or drinkers or, you know, the lifestyles that we lead. Right? We could be exposed to things in our environment. You know, we, we pollute lakes nowadays. We... We've got smog in various big cities in our nation, you know. Uh, we're not the greatest to our environment. My father passed away from mesothelioma. He worked at Carrier, and there was asbestos everywhere, you know. It, is that an act of God? Do we blame God for that? Or is it is an environment thing and mankind's doing, you know? Uh, when I was a kid, I was fascinated with fire, and I would go around, I had a lighter, and I would go around and light things and see how, uh, what's the word? What is it? No, 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 no. How, how f- flammable, flammable they were. 
flammable. And I remember um, my mom had this, this vase. She's over here now. She's probably gonna, she probably hasn't heard this story yet, but <laughs> I'm going to have to deal with it later. Uh, my mom had this, this vase and that, those, dried, those dried things that came out of it. It wasn't a flower, but it was something that was like, like a grass thing or whatever. And it was dry, and that thing was super flammable. In fact, <laughs> it was back in the day, yeah, and I lit that thing. That thing like literally, boom, right? I mean, flames were going up the, 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 the wallpaper. I'm flipping out. I don't know. I mean, that could have been devastating, you know? If, that, if, if the house burned down, I mean, thank God that there was no one. It, I was able to put it out. But, I mean, if you just take it a little bit further, the reality is that could have been really bad. You know what I mean? And, and so it's the things that we do. Bad things happen because of choices we make, things we do, the lifestyles we, we live. You know? Why do bad things happen to good people? Listen, some of us have made some poor choices that have hurt us or hurt others, right? And it's no, we can't blame God for it, right? We can't, we can't blame God for it. It's the dumb stuff we do. Listen, the devil did not catch that wall on fire. <laughs> Unless I was being called a devil at that time, you know? So here's, here's my last thought and I'll finish. Actually, let me just, let me just share one passage regarding this topic. Galatians 6, 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, you hear that used in a reference of financial things. In this context, it's being used in how we relate to one another and judging one another. You know, if we're going to judge one another, uh, we're going to reap that judgment. But it's a principle. It's a godly principle. That the way we sow, the, the, the way we, the, the things that we do, there's, there's a reaping that comes to us. And, and so the decisions we make, you know, uh, can have an impact on our longevity of life, on our lifestyles, on the quality of life. It's the decisions we make. Here's, here's my last thought. God always uses the bad things. To make us stronger. He uses the bad things to make us stronger. L- let me be very clear. God does not bring about the bad things. But you know, the Bible tells us in Romans 8.28 that he works all things out for the good of those who love him. You know? It'd be weird to say that God, you know, God puts sickness on people when Jesus hung on the cross and his, he bore stripes for our healing. So we, we don't say that God brings storms and sickness and disease and, and death and, you know, disease and all that stuff. But you know what? God can use it. God can use it. We don't look forward to problems in life, but you know what? We're going to go through problems in life. And it's not God that put it on us. But God can, can take something and make something great out of it. That's what he does. And we see this in in James 1. James 1, verses 2 to 4. It says this, Consider it all joy. I struggle with the joy part. 
Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, the trials do something in us. We don't like to have them. We don't like to go through them. But God is going to use them. The Bible says this, that, that, uh, that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we've been given. And so though trouble may come, you know, if we're able to keep our eyes on God, if we're able to trust God, eyes fixed on him, you know what, I don't know what's going on, but you know what, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm not going to get mad at you. I know that you're going to see me through this, and I'm going to let you do your work in me as a result of this, this issue. You know, didn't, God didn't bring it about. We live in a broken world. We have an enemy. We make bad choices. But you know what? You can bet that he's going to use that to change your life, to mature you, to help you trust him more. Uh, you know, um, he, he's an amazing God. Paul, Paul experienced this. We see in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 11, you know, he goes through this laundry list of stuff that he experienced in life. You know, here, here is a guy that's being used mightily by God. You know, he had this thorn in the flesh. This laundry list of stuff that he, that he went through. You know, he was shipwrecked, left for dead. They stoned him. You know, uh, uh, he, he had lashes, 39 lashes, like five times. I mean, he was persecuted wherever he went. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just a part of life and the earth that we live on now. It's reality. It is what it is. But you know what? God uses it to make us stronger. See, you know, James figured that something, you know, as we read this passage in James 1, that, that God's going to work something out in the midst of these trials. That God, God can do something in us as we, we go through stuff. You know, and, and the reality is that something can't be worked out in any other way. That, that something can't be worked out in any other way. But God will bring about greatness through things. Listen, we need the power of God to transform our lives, to carry us through these things. You know, it's the tests that bring about the testimonies, right? It, it's the messes that bring about the messages about the greatness of God. We don't like the tests, we don't like the messes, but we certainly like on the other side being able to, to gloat about God and gloat about his goodness and his faithfulness. Listen to me, we've got to get our theology right. God is good. The devil is bad. Right? I mean, he, he's a great God. And sometimes our theology gets skewed because of situations that we face in life. I want to close with just, just this thought here. Listen to me. Something bad happened to somebody good once and he volunteered for it. Something bad happened to somebody good once and he volunteered for it. That was Jesus. He was the one who went to the cross. 
He, he was the one who took our pain and our shame and our sin and our sickness and our diseases. He, he was the one. He volunteered for it. He's a really, really good God. And he wants us to know that today above all else. You know what? Despite the mayhem that's going on in our lives, despite the mayhem that's going on in this city, in, the, in our nation, and in this world, he is a good God. He's a good God. He wants to be known as a good God. You see, um, good things happen to bad people because of that one person that had something bad happen to them, Jesus. Good things have happened to us. He offers us salvation, mercy, kindness, forgiveness, eternal life. He offers us an inheritance being called sons and daughters of the Most High God. You see, good things do happen to bad people. We're recipients of those good things. We're recipients of those good things. I want to invite you to stand to your feet um, as I close. We get to experience these good things because of what Jesus did. And I want to just take a minute in the presence of God today, you know what, to begin to look to God as a good father. Maybe you're here today, you've never really looked at him that way. You look to him as like questioning, concerned, frustrated, angry, because of things that you've experienced in life, you know? And it's time to say, you know what, God, I am sorry for thinking that about you. I'm sorry that I've talked that way about you. And I want, I want to just, I would just want to bask in your goodness today. And maybe today for you, it'd be the first time ever because you've never truly received that goodness, the goodness that Jesus Christ offers you know, the, the forgiveness, the kindness, the love uh, that he offered. Maybe today is a first time for you. And if that's you, you know what? You, you just receive it. Lord Jesus, I just invite you. I invite you into my life. I want to be the recipient of your goodness. I want to receive your forgiveness today. And if you do that, take, take a moment after the service and let me know. I'd love to talk to you about that. But for the rest of us, listen, he is a good God. We now have an answer. Broken world, an enemy, poor choices. That's, what, that's what's going on in the world around us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, today we give you praise. We thank you for your goodness over our lives. Lord, though we don't have every question answered, Lord, Lord, today it's my prayer that we would learn to trust you and not quickly put the blame on you. We would learn to ask you questions, God, Learn to seek answers to our questions in your word and through our conversations with you, Lord. I bless you. I think you're so amazing, God. I thank you, Lord, that you desired a relationship with us, God. And, and I, t- I thank you, God, that, Father, you are working in our hearts and in our lives, God, to strengthen that relationship, to bring us closer to you, to tear down the walls, Lord, that our, our false beliefs have, have built up, God. So I just give you praise right now. Bless your people. Let them them go in your goodness today. Experience your love, your kindness, your favor over their lives. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great day.